Rethink Retail, the evolution of retail in today's connected world. Welcome to the Rethink Retail Show, your source for the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. Join host Julia Raymond, Global Director of Research at Valtech, a global digital agency focused on strategy and transformation in retail, as she explores the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. This episode of Rethink Retail, sponsored by Valtech, where experiences are engineered. Hi, today we're kicking off another episode of Rethink Retail with my guest, Philip Robb. He's the founder and president at Beta and co-CEO of Toys R Us. Philip, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to have you on today. And I want to just start off by asking, I noticed that obviously Beta is, is huge right now. And I noticed that your background is a bit different. You went to law school and then you went on to earn your MBA from Texas A&M. And after that, you went on to work for some really household name brands. So I was wondering, can you tell us a bit about your journey and and how you founded the company and share some of your experience before then? Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned, obviously, the law school and the business school piece of it. I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that kind of go out and look at education and the things that they do and go into professions. And when you're obviously you know, young, you not necessarily know what path you're going to kind of go and, and take. And I think for me, it was, you know, obviously a, a stepping stool, I think, to bigger things. And, you know, really kind of finding my calling and passion was definitely more around on the marketing and the retail side, ultimately. But I think the, the cool thing about our company, in fact, there's actually quite a few reformed attorneys roaming the halls of beta. But <laughs> the thing I think I love and is most unique is that we have a very balanced mix of people within the company. And in fact, not a lot of people with retail background. Um, And I think that's what makes us unique and allows us actually to, you know, have a different take on things of my co-founders, you know, the three of us, I'm the only one that actually has any retail experience. Uh, My Twitter co-founders don't have retail experience. And I think that's what allowed us to kind of take a different look and perspective on things. And so you know, Vibu, who's uh, you know my co-founder and who's the CEO of Beta, is a software engineer. And it was projects that he and I worked on together at Nest, which I think he got educated on on retail and understood. I think how archaic at times you know some of the systems and and the business model was mm-hmm. that really I think got him to you know he's a builder and a, and a tinker and, and really started thinking and really started I think unwrapping retail and questioning a lot of why you know things were done in a particular way and i think through that you know, that's ultimately how we kind of came with the idea of, of beta you know and it was really him sitting back and saying you know i don't understand why that's done this way what if it was done differently what if you you know infuse technology you know what if we really kind of dissected the whole thing in the current business model of retail and thought about it completely differently. And, and I think that's ultimately, I think the evolution of beta. Certainly. And how did you, so you guys were coworkers at, at Nest Lab. So that's how you met your co-founder. And was it just a natural progression? You guys were just chatting about starting a company and, and it just kind of happened over time or how did that come about? No. So myself, Vibu and William, who's my other co-founder, we all worked at Nest together. Vibu and I worked on a couple of different retail projects. The first one really being you know, trying to actually create a, a training and, and learning kind of development tool for retail associates, because you know we thought it was really important. You're selling a $250 thermostat. I mean, we were trying to educate people on our brand. And I think that's really, at the end of the day, we, we place such a strong emphasis on the brand and the learning. And we weren't okay with, I think, just the existing systems that existed at our retail partners. And to like, 
is this just isn't adequate. Like technology isn't working hard enough, you know, and, and there's better ways for us to be communicating with these individuals and telling them a much better story. And I think through that, that's kind of where Beta was, I think, initially born in the sense that, you know, you know Vivid really started to kind of question these things. William, my other co-founder, was, was the first like operations hire at Nest. And so, you know, I think through that, we really started to kind of come together and realizing that there was a, a way that the three of us could form something unique and really build retail from the ground up. And you know, we had that luxury and, and that's kind of what we ended up doing. Definitely. So it sounds like you guys had a, a really good um, team, you know, someone with the operations knowledge and then some more software engineer and global marketing and it all comes together. And it was sort of a situation that sounds like where necessity breeds innovation kind of deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I think the great thing about us is that, you know, we, we all work together really well because neither one of us, we all had kind of our own swimming lanes to some degree and we were mm-hmm. all knowledgeable of everything as a whole, but in, neither one of us was too dangerous enough that, you know, we were able to question each other, but everyone understood like when we were launching the things that like, we were really good at and, and I think pushed one another. And, and I think that was, you know, ultimately what helped us kind of get off the ground. And, and so that was really exciting. And that's kind of led us, you know, I think to where we're at today. And um, you know, I think it's a really strong balance that we have. And, you know, like any startup, I mean, obviously not everything is easy, but, you know, I think we all trust one another enough and it was in a really strong place for it because of it. Definitely. And that, that was a good recap and um, just building on that. So I would say you're probably somewhat of an expert when it comes to the concept of experiential retailing been a big buzzword over the past, you know, five years or so. And then we also have retail as a service, which is, you know, a fairly new format over the past decade. So how would you describe experiential retailing or um, where stores are headed? Like what's the future? Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, we kind of like very often when we're talking to, you know, Perspective brands, investors, and you know, we always look at if you kind of go back historically, in the eighties and nineties, you saw this migration towards kind of more big box retail, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was about a place of mass consumption, right? Where where could you go and you could find everything in one place? Then all of a sudden, you know, the internet actually created the idea of like this endless shelf where you could actually find the same thing, like hundred thousand square feet of retail wasn't big enough. Now all of a sudden, you had at your fingertips this endless aisle and, and the ability to um, uh, find anything you wanted. And while I think that's not going anywhere anytime soon, at the same time, people were, what they were missing was the ability to, to touch and feel product, to um, experience things firsthand. And so you know, now you're starting to see kind of this uh, migration back to physical retail, but it's different, right? And I think the, one of our early takes on it was that, you know, retail was going to become more of a media and advertising model, you know, where people could learn about products, discover products, talk to people. But at the same time, we recognized that you couldn't use the same business model, right? Because, you know, you had to figure out how, where and how you were attributing the sales. So if somebody came in, in the same way that you would track media impressions into a store, like you want to be able to do kind of that same type of thing, you know, in physical retail that you were doing online. That's, I think, the important kind of difference that we kind of meld together. This notion of retail as a service is that it's about having these great experiences, but at the same time, being able to kind of understand what's happening from both a marketing as well as from a sales perspective. Certainly. So, you're basically saying, you know, historically speaking, we went from the mass consumption in the 80s, 90s to the 90s and in the internet with endless aisle and then to the 2010s and 
into today where it's kind of reversing a bit to people want the tactile interactions, but that's going to require new business models to measure the stores of the future, the stores of today even, which are becoming, you said, media channels. Yeah. I mean, there was this the buzzword, you know, omni-channel that was being used, you know, a few yeah. years back, right? Drives me nuts. But the, you know, because at the end of the day, it's commerce, right? I mean, people are buying things, right? Whether they buy them in store, whether they buy them online or or what have you, mm-hmm. people are transacting, right? I mean, if, if you look obviously at, you know, economic data um, and a macro level, it's not like people stop transacting and in certain categories, they're still doing a lot of that, you know, in physical retail and other categories, it's a lot of it's happening online. And so I think brands had to start thinking about it differently of like, you know, what's my commerce strategy, not what's my e-commerce strategy or what's my physical strategy. It's that the two of them literally go hand in hand and you have to be very symbiotic, right. In that sense. And, and I think, you know, as we recognize that it's like, you know, we said like, what's the physical manifestation look like, but then also what are we doing in the physical space traditionally was only being done in the digital space. And, you know, through technology now, that's possible to be able to understand and measure kind of like what's happening. And I think that's really where our business is focused on. It's creating great experiences, you know, for for the consumer. But then ultimately, at the end of the day, it's really understanding like what are our partners trying to get out of it and how are they learning and growing their business um, at the end of the day? Of course. So it's it's commerce, not e-commerce, drop the E. And it's not omni-channel, it's just commerce strategy. And obviously it's so much easier, well, I say easier, but it's more straightforward to measure behavior online and more transactional data. But when you're talking about these new stores where you're changing the inventory based on the feedback and the data that you're getting from the customers, what does this look like? I mean, what metrics are you guys using and what do you see as like newer metrics that maybe might be the future of you know, store optimization. Yeah. I mean, it's a great point. You know, I think we're at this crazy point in time where almost we have too much data and you hear brands that complain, they're like, there's so much data. I don't know what to do with it. Right. How do you interpret this? What does this mean? Right. I mean, we hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the things that we're looking at from an in-store perspective, I think most brands can look at traffic, right? How many people are walking in their stores, but what we have the ability to do is look at impressions, right. To understand like how many people are actually being exposed to a product how many people stop and look at a product? How long are they spending with the product? Are they actually getting a hands-on personalized demo of the product? And then ultimately, is that converting into a sale? And our teams are hard at work to understanding even like where, if they don't buy today in-store, ultimately, where are they potentially buying that product if, if purchase intent has been created? And I think one of the things also that we look at is beyond necessarily just the quantitative data. And one of the really key factors is looking at qualitative data, Right. Online, you can't understand why one product is outselling another product by two to one. Like one SKU potentially is outselling another product two to one. Maybe through reviews, you can kind of get some of this information. But like, how is somebody you know, thinking about the size and the fit of something or the way that it looks on them, the sound of a headphone, like all of these kind of things, you know, we're able to capture as well because we've created this kind of like direct dialogue, which we allow our beta testers and brands to be able to have kind of this one-on-one kind of connection in getting feedback sometimes, you know, in real time, uh, or, you know, within at least a couple of days. And I think that's something that's very powerful that I think brands that utilize our platform properly, you know, really understand. Yeah. And that's a good point because it is hard to tell, you know, why the SKU is outperforming another SKU and to run text analytics on reviews that may or may not be paid reviews, you know, things like that. It just complicates it. And you mentioned the importance of measuring 
interactions with sales associates, which made me think back to earlier in the conversation, how you said at Nest Labs, you're like, hey, this is a $250 thermostat. We need to really train the sales associates on how to sell it. And convey the value. Yeah. I mean, when I was at Nest, one of the things that you know I implemented with the team is we went in and, and we would do in-store demos um, mm-hmm. you know, really to be able to get people to understand the value proposition. And you know, we would see a very significant lift in sales when we did that. But at the same time, we also realized that the number one reason people were purchasing the product is they said price. So you had to sit down and say like, okay, well, if there's a $30 thermostat versus $250 thermostat, what's the value proposition? And then all of a sudden, as you start to tell consumers that you could save you know, energy savings and you were saving you know, roughly 20% in your utility bills. And then they're like, oh, wow. Okay. So then they start to do the math and like, oh, wow, this kind of actually pays for itself within a short period of time. Right. And so it's that type of education around it that you just don't get online and you're really having that physical element. So we really try to drive home that behavior. There's a lot of education that goes into product training with our beta testers. And and I think that's really at the end of the day where you start to truly see the value prop a lot of times with physical retail is that consumers, I think they're interested. They want to purchase products sometimes, but they think they just need that validation very often. And I think that's where the physical component of it comes in. Definitely, especially with tech items or you know items that are more expensive. Are you guys integrating with mobile devices at all? Because there's been tons of studies. There's one Salesforce did. It showed like nearly 75% of people are using their phones in store. Go figure. So is that something that is being integrated? Or are there ways that you're measuring interactions that way? Yeah, I mean, we work very closely with a lot of our brands to you know understand are they seeing an uptick in online traffic where we have stores? Are they seeing mm-hmm. an uplift, you know, in sales? You know, we're also building into our digital displays the ability for customers to opt in and be able to, you know, give their email address or phone numbers if they want to be, you know, connected you know, directly with the brands. So there's ways to do that. There's ways to kind of cross-pollinate data if a brand has a subscription services, which we do sell, as well as, you know, understanding if somebody subscribes to something and then, you know, their email is in our database and you figure out that actually they learned about it probably at beta and then ultimately then made a purchase elsewhere. So there's a lot of different tools that we're working on from an attribution standpoint. A lot of other companies probably aren't even kind of really thinking about. And I think that's one of the things that really differentiates us is because, you know, at the end of the day, our sole focus is for our partners is, you know, their long-term success. And you're really continuing to build out tools to ensure that they have the things that they need to be successful in the long-term. Sure. And do you think it's, when I picture um, beta stores and, and the brands you work with, I'm almost thinking back to Apple stores. It reminds me of, you know, everyone goes into the Apple store and they mess with the demo devices and then they place their orders online or wherever. Was that an inspiration for you or? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I don't, I don't know if the Apple store per se was an inspiration. I think we just saw that the, the shopping patterns and behaviors that mm-hmm. consumers were doing as they were going into places and tinkering with products and playing with them and then going elsewhere. Right. I mean, it was almost, you know, it was a huge problem that Best Buy had had years ago. There was this phenomenon of showrooming, you know, it was, right. it was a term that was coined, but you know, we see it. It's not just in consumer electronics. I mean, if you really look at our businesses evolved, to the point that we now carry health and beauty products and we have a large focus on health and wellness. We're going to really start to expand out our product mix because it's really around in innovation that you really start to see, you know, our stores is where they, you know, really flourished because people are constantly looking for and discovering new and unique things. Definitely. And that, you know, obviously the Toys R Us uh, relaunch 
must be super exciting for you guys. And, you know, it's all over the news. What are some things specific to that that you're most excited about? And where do you see that going? How's it going to evolve? Yeah, I mean, it's beyond exciting. I mean, for myself and everyone involved to be able to relaunch an iconic brand that I think has so much, the consumer base is so passionate you can definitely see, you know, it was missed this past holiday season. And so, you know, for us, I think having the opportunity to be associated with a great brand like Toys R Us and being able to kind of, you know, this holiday season, being able to kind of relaunch that in, in a new and reimagined way is just awesome. And our whole team is excited about it and, you know, everyone that's kind of touching that. But it, what it does is also it lends itself is that we always knew that beta was going to evolve beyond just consumer electronics and uh, gadgets, so to speak. It was more about knowing that the business model itself would start to be, I think, very pervasive you know, in other categories. And you'll see, that, you see that with going into toys and kid space, which we always knew we wanted to do something there. Um, yeah, and, and that makes a lot so of sense, in- right? For the yeah. toys aspect, right? To have them you know, be able to interact with the toys to measure what products are doing well and what products are not, which is something that was maybe missing over the years. Yeah. And I think it's also just engaging, right? I mean, you know, right. I have two kids, you know, and literally you go into an existing, maybe big box retailer today and they want to like, literally they want to rip open the boxes and play yeah. with the toys. I mean, they're like, <laughs> like poking the box. I mean, it's like, it's painful to watch a, a kid just be able to <laughs> walk up to something and just poke it because they just want to play. I mean, that's their yeah. natural instinct. And so I think that's what we want to do. We just wanted a brief space where, you know, kids could just have fun and, and not just kids, like, parents and you know you can walk in and it's not like uh you know this dreadful experience of going into a toy store it's more right. like break it you buy wow. it. <laughs> yeah like i know it's like no please like we're gonna have demos out so that you maybe not quite break it but you know stress test it right it's just possible right and so i think that's the element the idea is it's just bringing back that fun element it's what we do today in beta right i mean you can touch and play with all of the different products and demo them firsthand and, and we want to do that you know same level of experience, I think, with toys and also see that playing out in, in other verticals as well. Certainly. And because it is toys, like in this specific venture, then it probably is you have a lot of the inventory on hand, even though there's like demo products, right? Because they probably instant gratification. Yeah. I mean, the space and I think the theory around kind of what we're doing there is, is it, it'll definitely ebb and flow, right? You know, depending on seasonality, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I tell people like, the best experience that one can have in the month of December is like, how quickly can I get in and out of the store? Right. I mean, it's not, people aren't really sitting there like, you know, wanting to spend a lot of time in retail stores other than like, get me in and out of this place as quickly as possible. Um, But you you don't want to camp outside Best Buy for like three days. (laughs) (laughs) My previous experience was in the video game industry where literally people used to camp outside of places like Best Buy and GameStop. But um, (laughs) it is this idea of, just having this just awesome experiences. And and I think that's kind of like, you know, where we're kind of going with it and what we really want to kind of bring to the space. Absolutely. And I am so excited for the holiday season and to see where this goes. There's a lot of opportunity and this could be the future of a lot of store formats. So really cool stuff you're doing. And I had a great conversation with you today. So thanks for coming on the show. And uh, maybe we'll see each other in person someday at a show or something. Yeah, absolutely. Love to connect. Again, thank you for having me. It's an amazing opportunity to continue to, you know, still very humbled by the opportunity to to speak about what we're building with Beta, with Toys R Us, and and some of our future plans. We really think that retail is, it's the reshaping and, and reimagining of it and happy to be able to have a voice and be on the forefront of that. So thank you for your time today. Absolutely. Excited to watch your journey. <laughs> cool. It was a pleasure chatting. You've been listening to Rethink Retail. 
For all the latest news on commerce and trends, join the discussion, rethink.industries.com.